Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 13 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. Peter, we are recording on Halloween, Yeah, and it is a beautiful day out there. Um, how's your week going? Um, It's going good, man. It's going good. Just before I get to like what I've done this week, it's just 13 on Halloween. Could you find like a more unlucky combination than this? Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like we uh, planned it, but we actually didn't. So <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, it worked out. It worked out in an interesting way. No, definitely, and it's re- it's really. I, I can't believe Halloween's already here. I mean, it just seemed like it was only at the start of the month where I'm like, you know watching horror movies galore like nonstop on amc fear fest and stuff like that and i'm just gonna say this i have newfound appreciation for 2017 it i mean it's supposed to be a horror movie but i laughed more than i was scared and the last movie that did that to me was dawn of the dead yeah yeah no and even even this the sequel wasn't uh like it was a little bit more humor to the side of, you know you look back on it differently i think as we get older i say that as a 32 year old so um <laughs> as we get older uh you look back on things and kind of appreciate them a little differently so definitely can see how you uh you, you brought that out uh for for that flick yeah, and comparing that to like what the miniseries was in the '90s, because I absolutely hated clowns. And when I saw the trailer for the 2017 one, I'm like, okay, yeah, no way I'm going to watch this. Went back and watched the original. The original was scarier than this one. I'm I'm not going to lie. And obviously, a lot of differences, but man, it is still such a good series. Yeah, I think a lot of it now is it, they've they put so much special effects into it. It's not oh, uh, yeah. it's not the same as like. Whereas the older films, you know, they were going for that that scare tactic, that scare mm-hmm. factor, right? Like, that's what they were looking for. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, even if you look back on some of the older, you know, Halloween and all that stuff, they go for that scare factor rather than, you know, trying to over um, overcompensate with a little bit of special effects, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And it's like, obviously, watching all those movies in from the past Halloween psycho that's what like really got me into the horror genre and you see the progression of how everything went from then up until now and it's just crazy yeah and uh yeah I know it's uh it's that time of year where everyone's kind of sitting down watching those flicks and I mean you know after today (laughs) then you get into those Hallmark uh Christmas movies and I know my mother-in-law is a huge Hallmark Christmas movie person, she'll sit down and watch them all as the holiday season approaches. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know you kind of go from one spectrum right to the other, and man, this year's just flying by. Yeah, and I and I can relate to the holiday season because as soon as November hits, man, that's when my family goes into full overdrive with decorations and everything like that. The holiday specials, it's it's crazy here. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, before we get into our hockey news, I just wanted to mention a couple yes. things. Uh, first off, um, obviously this morning news broke that uh, Sean Connery passed mm-hmm. away. 
uh, 90 years old. And, uh, you know, any for any Bond fan, um, you know, I'm a fan of his movie F- Finding Forrester. I, th- I thought that was one of uh, one of his good, uh, really good flicks. Um, obviously, you know, 90s, 90s, uh, you know, he lived a good life. And uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it just seems like 2020 continues to to take some good ones away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2020 could just, you know, just find another dimension and just go to it because I'm done with it right now. But yeah, for me, like obviously from the Bond movies, he was like a staple. He's what created 007. He brought him to life. But his portrayal in Tom Clancy's um, Hunt for Red October, man. That's mm-hmm. still a really good performance uh, in my view, and one of his better ones. That's not 007. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, no, he, we're we like we like they're a really good actor loss. I mean, it's just it's again 2020. Why are you doing this to us? Yeah, just uh, let's let's move on to the next year. Come on, <laughs> we've had enough of this year already. Definitely. Um. Also, I just want to go on a quick little baseball rant. I don't know if you're a baseball fan, Peter, but I just was reading to, uh, in the last couple of days that A.J. Hinch is going to be hired by the Detroit Tigers. And for anybody who doesn't know, A.J. Hinch was part of that Houston Astros debacle where, oh, you know, yes. they were stealing signs and he was the manager. He was the bench boss in, in, in Houston at the time. And, you know, he got a one year suspension. And I just I have to say this because it's just so frustrating for me. I there's a guy out there who was undoubtedly one of the greatest hitters of all time who got a lifetime suspension, lifetime ban for betting on baseball. Mm-hmm. He likely won't see the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Yeah. That being said, now you have a clear cut cheater mm-hmm. and he's back in baseball. For me, I, I, I just don't understand this. I don't I don't understand the logic behind how a guy can be caught cheating, openly admit to, yes, we were doing stuff behind the scenes that maybe we shouldn't have been doing. You won a World Series, you know, using these tactics, and now you're back in baseball a year later because your suspension was only a year. How in the world does that make any sort of sense? Meanwhile, you got Pete Rose on the outside where he's undoubtedly one of the greatest players to to step up to the plate and may never get the recognition he deserves in terms of being a hall of famer mm-hmm. i like i i don't know it's just it kind of it kind of ties in the reason i i'm so passionate about this because it kind of ties in with i had this discussion on twitter with somebody yesterday a follower and they were talking about how why isn't daniel alfredson in the in the hall of fame yet and i i kind of wrote back and said how about theo flurry yeah how about theo flurry this is a guy who's won at every single level mm-hmm. every single level world Juniors, world Cup. championships Stanley Cup, yeah, um, 100-point guy, almost a point per game uh, throughout his career in 1,000 games. And he likely won't see the, the Hall of Fame anytime soon because of what he did off the ice. Yeah. That being said, nobody takes into consideration what he went through off the ice. Yeah. Addiction. He battled addiction. He didn't choose to be an addict. He battled addiction. He battled, um, you know, all, all the all the personal issues that he went through growing the abuse. up. Abuse, the abuse. Yeah. Um, and, and still went out there and performed on a daily basis and was the entertainment that the NHL was looking for at the time. Yeah. 
And so that's why that's why I kind of I kind of digress from you know AJ Hinch being back in the, in the MLB to you know where's Theo Fleury's spot in the Hall of Fame? I don't know, but it seems like no matter what sport you're looking at, it seems like people are going to have a different viewpoint of who should get in and who should get out based on their performance or based on like their character off away from the sport. To me, the way that Theo Fleury has played the game, it had a profound impact on the game itself and his career. It showed that, you know, he went through all this stuff and still managed to come out on top. AJ Hinch just flat out cheated. Like you I know I know where you're trying to get at trying to compare like AJ Hinch to getting a second chance, maybe to not Fleury getting the recognition that he deserves over Hinch, but you can't compare someone who actually cheated to someone who actually played the game with integrity and respect, despite his off ice issues. And I think that this is, and I, and baseball has been known for cheating. Like you had the steroid scandal in the early thousands where people were juicing up. Uh, you had the whole Barry Bonds incident. Should he get into the hall of fame after his, you know, steroid uh, allegations and stuff like that? Should AJ Hinch get another opportunity because he cheated? I don't think so. You cheat, you cheat. You're not playing the game with respect. Yeah, no, and, and I agree. And I, I, I just kind of digressed a little bit because, for me, the way that they they treat Pete Rose, yeah, you know what? He bet on baseball and he mm-hmm. did something wrong, but he didn't flat out cheat. Yeah, he didn't flat out cheat. And did it go against the rules? Yes, hundred percent. Was it like? Should he not get into a Hall of Fame because of it? It's still up for debate, but you can't compare what he did to Hinch. No, and then you, and that's my thing. You've got Hinch back in the game, and I just, I that to me blows my mind. And the reason I get into flurries because I've had, you know, I, I've actually had the opportunity to talk to Theo. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, I don't always agree with all his views. Mm-hmm. That being said. What he did on the ice, the product he brought to the NHL is exactly what they wanted. Yeah. And he was an entertainer. I saw Theo Fleury at a taping of the Battle of the Blades when it first started happening. Went up to him, approached him. Unbelievable guy to like to just talk. He was a really great human being. Again, you may not agree with some of his takes, but person to person, he's a relatable guy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, but let's let's move on from that. That's you know that's neither here nor there, and <laughs> still, obviously still sports talk. You know, yeah, obviously what we have to say is not going to get Theo Fleury into the uh, into the Hall of Fame. But yeah. you know, I, I never I never hesitate to to throw my thoughts out there on that subject. So no doubt. Um, <clears throat> a few signings again. Uh, obviously, a busy offseason continues as we look towards getting back to play eventually. Um, we'll just that run may through, happen. Yeah, whenever that may happen. Um, we'll just run through a few of the key signings. Obviously, there were some uh, smaller signings that uh, we won't touch on, but um, Buffalo re-signs Sam Reinhart and Linus Allmark to one-year deals. Sam Reinhart, $5.2 million. Linus Allmark, $2.6 million. Um, obviously, we talked about the goaltending in Buffalo uh, a couple weeks ago in terms of you know, what they're going to be able to do, um, you know, bringing in guys like Eric Stahl and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Linus Allmark seems to be 
the guy for them as of right now. Uh, on the other side of things, Sam Reinhart, obviously you want to lock up a guy like that, uh, $5.2 million. I don't think that's yep. an overpayment. I think uh, no. you know, you're know you kind of right in the range of what he's expected to get with uh, what he's done for them so far. So And who he's going to be playing with. Exactly. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, he's a guy that's going to be kind of your setup guy for a guy like Jack Eichel and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't mind the signings personally. I think Buffalo's on the right track. I think Kevin Adams has done a good job since coming in. Um, obviously, his first general manager role. Um, but I think he's he's moving the team in the right direction. And that's yeah. exactly what you want to see if you're a Buffalo fan. Yeah. And even the Victor Olofsson signing 3.05 for two years. If yeah. someone ha- like needs a contract that's going to probably where he's going to bet on himself, it's him because right now he's basically just a one trick pony, just offensive power, lethal on the power play, scoring goals on the man advantage. Great. Can you do more? Like we're going to give you this term. Yeah, you scored all these goals. We'll give you that. We'll give you that. But we need you to produce more at five on five. We need you to be more well rounded not just a power play specialist because you're just good. If you're just a power play specialist, that's all you're going to be known for. You're not going to be relied on in a game breaking situation where even if you have a hot stick on the power play, you're not going to get that chance on six on five opportunity goalie pulled, trying to tie the game. He needs to, he like, this is a good deal, but he needs to step it up and say, Hey, I'm going to be worth more. I can do more. Let me show you what I got. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And, you know, we've talked about him numerous times now uh, in our in our 13 episodes in in terms of, you know, he is a one trick pony. He's purely offensive. Um, He's a guy that obviously capitalizes on his power play opportunities. He's got a hell of a shot. Absolutely. But he definitely has to prove to them that he's more than just that. And, uh, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for him, Um, you know, with the stale cap. You know, give him give him a decent contract and, and say, look, if you can prove to us now that you can be better and and be more of a team guy on all around player, we can we can offer you more in two in two years. And that's exactly what they're going for. If if you don't have Sam Reinhardt playing alongside Eichel, if you have a line of Hall, Eichel, and Olafson, that could be something to look at. And that could be Victor Olafson's opportunity to be like, hey, like I said. I, you could probably score more five on five. You could help set them up. You have two good offensive weapons at your disposal. And even if it, if it is Sam Reinhardt on the other wing, still a great player. He could set you up. You could set him up. So there are two avenues of how this could play out for Olsen. And if he doesn't produce or take that next step to be well-rounded offensively, not necessarily it's going to backfire, but it's not going to go well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, definitely a good opportunity in Buffalo right now, and and that's the way that uh, they need to look at these deals. Um, moving on, uh, Ottawa signed Chris Tierney, former London Knight, to a two-year, $7 million contract. Um, he's kind of bounced around a little bit over the last few years, but uh, you know, it might be the perfect opportunity for him to kind of make a name for himself and, and, and continue to grow in Ottawa. Obviously, Ottawa's a young club. Um, a guy like Tierney, um, you know, he's going to get more opportunity playing for them. He's only 26, so he's got a lot of hockey ahead of him. Oh, yeah. 
Um, 37 points in 71 games last year with 11 goals. Uh, he has 189 points in 436 regular season games over his career. Uh, he was a former second-round pick in 2012 for San Jose, and he's going into his seventh season in the NHL. So, I mean, again, we talk about this young club in Ottawa, and I think, you know, having guys like that that, you know, have had have bounced around a little bit and, and been in the league for a little bit, he's going to be a guy that they rely on for a little bit of veteran experience. And we talked about it with Connor Brown last week. Um, suddenly these guys go from, you know, their fifth and sixth years to being the veteran go-tos for, for a lot of these young guys coming in. Yeah, and Ottawa still has $13 million left in cap space. I don't know what they're going to do with that money, but that's a lot of money left to spend. But as he said, yeah, it, $3.5 million for a middle six player who can produce upwards of like, you know, in between 40 points, 40, 50 points, really good value. And he had and he can bring a lot on and off the ice. And I think that's what they need. They want to surround their younger players with this type of, you know, reliable veteran presence, even though he is only 26. He's not Joe Thornton, but he's learned from Thornton from his time in San Jose. He has the leadership qualities to be a vocal presence in the locker room and on the bench. He can he can help them. He is a really good asset to this team, both offensively and with the uh, intangible aspects. When they when the younger players come up, they're going to look up to him and be like, man, this is how I want to lead by example. And Ottawa did just that by keeping him. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think it's, a like I said, a great opportunity for him in Ottawa. And um, yeah, we'll have to see what he can do with that young young squad. Um, talking about young young players, uh, the, the Islanders locked up four of their young guys. Josh Hosang, A.J. Greer, Mitch Van de Sompel, and uh, Parker Watherspoon. Um, mm-hmm. The first two were signed to one-year deals, so that's Hosang and Greer. Uh and then the uh, the latter latter couple there were signed to two year deals. I don't want to get into each one specifically, but yeah, the one that I do want to talk about is Josh Hosang. Absolutely, um, yeah. This is a guy that's obviously made uh, made headlines in since being drafted. Um, comes with a little bit of cockiness in in his game, and I think that's in the long run has hurt him uh, in terms of getting to the NHL. Um, over three seasons, he's played 53 games for the Islanders with 24 points to show for it. So not not awful. He's averaging almost a half a point a game. Yeah. Um, that being said, he just doesn't seem to be catching on. And honestly, I think it comes down to attitude, uh, personality, and, and how he fits into the, the system in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean – Based on, you know, Barry Trotz's team, they want to be heavy. They want to be aggressive. Hosang fits that bill. But like you said, the attitude issues that I've had that he's had in the past, I want to say he's behind that. That's behind him. I think he's trying to move forward. I think he really wants to prove his worth. And right now he wants to make an impact. I mean, this is a player who played alongside Connor McDavid when he was in the GTHL with the Marlies. Marlboro, sorry, not to confuse that with the AHL team. He put up solid numbers, put up solid numbers in junior. I mean, yeah, there's the oversleeping, there's the sleeping in issue. There's a whole debacle where he wanted to be traded. Lou couldn't find a partner. And now Lou's kind of like shocked that, okay, he accepted this contract now. Now what am I going to do? He has the potential to be 
maybe not necessarily the star player that he was in junior, but he can be a middle six guy who can, you know, maybe be play alongside a Casey Zizekas, Matt Martin as, you know, kind of a grinder player, but have more of that offensive flair. I think that's behind him. He has the potential. He just hasn't dialed in yet. And I think when camp rolls in, I think he realized that now this is my time. I got to step it up and prove my worth. Yeah. And, and that's it. I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, he's, he's, I think back to a guy like Rob Shrimp and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy that ha- he's confident in his game, but it comes across in a cocky way rather than being confident. And I think yeah. in the end that ends up hurting him because he comes, I don't think people see him as a team player. And mm-hmm. that's not to say that he's not, it's, it's more, can he, can he adapt and, and buy into the system to make himself, you know, more of a, an all around team guy. And I, yeah. I, I just, I haven't seen that yet from him. Uh, like you said, he had the issues with the sleeping in, um, obviously, you know, wanted to trade out of New York, didn't get it. I, I just think there's been a lot of bad negative headlines to, to what he's brought to the team. And I think that's hurt him in the long run. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, I think, you know, this is an opportunity for him. Um, New York's getting better. Uh, they're a team that, uh, you know, plays hard year in and year out right now. It's a Lou team. And uh, they get, they got to figure out, uh, they, they got to figure out what uh, a way to get him kind of, um, you know, back in the lineup and back on, on the right track to, to, to be that draft pick that they, they took him at. And let's not forget who his head coach is. Yeah. I mean, if there's anybody that could help turn somebody around and get them with the right mindset, it is Barry Trotz. Yeah, no, 100%. <clears throat> and um, kind of moving on from there, um, Devin Taves, speaking of a former Islander, Devin Taves signs a four-year, $4.1 million annually uh, in uh, Colorado with the Avalanche. So after being traded to Colorado, signs for four years at just over $4 million. Um, I think it's a great deal for, for Colorado. Locks up a young defenseman. Um, obviously, we talked about Taves uh, last episode uh, and what, he's, what he can bring to the club. And, uh, you know, a, a team that's got a lot of young defensemen up and coming. If you lock this guy up for four years, you, you have the possibility of maybe moving some of those young pieces for, um, you know, maybe other assets up front or, or in net. So it, it's, for me, I think it's a great signing. He's 26 years old. Um, he had, uh, he had 28 points in 68 games last year and, you know, still a young guy that's uh, not as experienced as maybe you'd think in the NHL, but uh, offers up, you know, a good kind of stay-at-home guy. Can we just give Joe Sackick the GM of the award right now? GM of the year award right now? He's on He's on the verge of getting it. Because, I mean, we talked about last week how this was a steal for Colorado, not giving up, like, you know, any major assets. Okay, they gave up, uh, I believe, what, two second-round picks? For him? Yeah. The fact that they didn't give up any assets on their team, prospects or anything, how does he keep doing this? I mean, and now you signed him to a really reasonable contract who's a legitimate top four defenseman. You can't go wrong. 
he like it, I'm baffled. The kind of okay, not necessarily like comparing him to Dubis's offseason because Dubis has to work around the cap, but he's making smart decisions with his team. And I mean, he also got Brandon Saad for by giving up uh, Nikita Zadorov. Barely anything. He's making great moves right now, and this Devin Tay signing, I absolutely love it because he could be okay. He could be on a third pairing, but man, he if you put him in the top four, like if I'm looking, if you have Kale McCarr and Ryan Graves as your top line pairing, and you have Devin Tays and Samuel Gerrard as your second, and then Ian Cole and Eric Johnson as your third, that is solid depth right there. I don't think you could find better. I mean, you I mean you could find better depth, but at the moment, it's up there with some of the best in the league right now. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think, you know, obviously we talked about it, uh, you know, how Colorado's making themselves into a perennial contender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they already had the talent up front. They already had the, oh, the yeah. young defense that, you know, was up and coming. And now I think they've just he's starting to put all the pieces into in together and at a good price. At a good price where right now you're not you're not running into trouble. When you mm-hmm. get past this point, you're gonna see the revenue spike in the league. You're gonna see um, you're going to see the cap go up over the next couple of seasons. You're in a great spot right now to yeah. to keep that core together and to continually build on it. I think it's a great opportunity for Colorado to really, you know, make some noise in the West and possibly put a couple of, uh, you know, Stanley Cups together if if they have the right pieces and everybody stays healthy. Yeah. And I'm just looking at their contract situation right now. They got a lot of their key players signed for another three, four years. Samuel Gerard's locked up to 2026-2027. And Nathan McKinnon still making, you know, six point five million on his six point three on his contract. Miko Randon's making less than ten. Man, they're they're in a good spot with their core and with the cap. If 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 all things go according to plan, like it should in the next two, three years, we could expect them to, I'm not saying that they could be, that they are going to be a dynasty potential to be one. Yeah, no, and that's a bold statement from my end, because we haven't seen that since all the Chicago Blackhawks going through their rebuild. They have the potential. Yeah, no, a hundred percent they do. And, uh, I think that's, um, that's exactly the kind of position you want to be in, uh, with, especially with a flat cap. Is just have that have that core ready, um, and that's that's kind of like you said. That's where Chicago was a few years back. Um, you know, Pittsburgh was even there a few years back. Yeah. And now you, I think Colorado's that team right now. Where, like I said, they can string a couple of of Stanley Cups together if if everything goes their way. Mm-hmm. So I Absolutely. think they've got uh, they've got the team where they want it. Um, they're in the right position to to make some uh, make some moves, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they can do over the next couple of years, especially when we get this season underway. I like you. You have to have them as like one of the top contenders for the cup next year. Yeah, oh, there's I, I, no way that with the moves that he's done, and you may still think that okay, maybe they could you know address their goaltending. But the way that they've played, man, Grubauer and Francouz as a tandem, that's still a solid tandem. Yeah. Oh, 100% it is. Especially when you have that kind of defense playing in front of you. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, a couple of smaller signings to talk about in the league as well. Jansen Harkins signed with the Jets, a two-year deal, uh, 725000 annually. Uh, Hendricks Lapierre signed an entry-level contract with uh, the Washington Capitals. Great, great uh, draft pick by the by the Caps. Um, and then the last few here: Sammy Niku signed a one-year, $1.45 million contract with the Winnipeg Jets. Alex Galchenyuk signed a one-year, $1.05 million contract with Ottawa, which I I think is a great signing. We can get mm-hmm. into it in a second. Uh, and Tyler Bertuzzi signed a one-year. $3.5 million contract after going to arbitration with the Red Wings. And Hayden Fleury signed a two-year $1.3 million per with the Carolina Hurricanes. Thoughts on these signings? I mean, that's a lot. Those are a lot of signings. But I'm just going to pick I'm going to pick a few that I think really stood out. One, the Hendricks Lapierre one. Um, the journey that he had, you know, playing at the Hylinka Gretzky tournament, posting 11 points in five games, a potential top 10 pick before the season even started. One of the better picks at that draft and only to have his season dampered because of, you know, concussions and a neck injury. The fact that Washington is betting on him and he's, I believe he's off to a very hot start right now in the queue. I mean, he's got eight points in four games. He is an unbelievable playmaker. He's got great speed, and I just think he's going to be one of their top centermen, or he is going to be their top centermen for the future. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi, I kind of like that one as well, given the fact that, you know, the Red Wings have struggled. Um, They were a mess, but he was one of the bright spots for them. Um, 3.5 million who finished second in scoring. I kind of like that one. And the Hayden Flurry one. I mean, I love Carolina's defense, and they just bolstered their um, depth right now. Uh, he has a ch- he, like he has an opportunity now to continue to his development, continue to be an impact player at the NHL level. And I again, I can't say anything about uh, bad about their defensive depth right now. And locking up Hayden Flurry, he's going to be a key part in that. Yeah, no, I think it's a great deal. I think you got a young guy uh, with a lot of upside for cheap <clears throat> in terms of the lap here signing. I agree with you. I think, you know, eight points in four games to start the year. Um, he's he's trying to prove a bunch of teams wrong for not taking yeah. him uh, higher in the draft. But good on Washington for taking him. I mean, their future looks so bright with him and Connor McMichael. Oh, yeah. Um, from there, yeah, I think Tyler Bertuzzi, one of the lone bright spots in 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 uh, Detroit these days. Um, you know they've got a lot of a lot of talent coming up through the pipeline. Obviously Mantha's there. Obviously Larkin's there. But uh, one of the guys that really added to that trio was Tyler Bertuzzi, and I think th- yep. for three point five million, um, I don't think you go wrong. Um, obviously, a guy who wanted to get paid uh, based on his numbers, and um, that that's that's going to happen now. So. Um, yeah, I think all around uh, some pretty notable tr- uh, signings there. Um, obviously, the off season we got a long way to go. So yeah, there's going to be some 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 guys that are still out there that uh, you know. Obviously, Hoffman hasn't signed. Obviously, mm-hmm. Duclair hasn't signed. We've got a lot of a lot of players still on the board. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, <clears throat> a lot like like you said, lots of time, lots of players still available, and the talk is just going to get even better. 
Yeah. Um, moving on from there, Trevor Daly retired. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to join the Penguins in a front office role. Uh, I think it's a good addition. Obviously, a guy who played with Pittsburgh uh, during his career. Um, yeah, I think uh, solid, solid addition for the front office there in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we wish him the best. Absolutely. I love seeing these, pl- like, all the players who, like, you know, have a great career because he won two uh, cups with them. Integral part of their defense, and they jump. They jump from the ice to the front office. I mean, immediately they have. They're still fresh off of what they saw or what they can do to try and help improve the team that they're on. And I think Trevor Daly is just going to do that with Pittsburgh, who seems to be kind of in a lull right now with some questionable decisions. But if he, he if there's someone to help guide them in the right direction, it is going to be Daly. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um... I want to talk to you about the new Dallas Stars uniform. Yes. <clears throat> Thoughts on that? I mean, everyone... Uh, okay, personally, I love it. It's It still stays true. They just, like, you know, added, like, a fluorescent element to it to make it that glow-in-the-dark style. But it's green, it's black, it fits their color scheme. I love it, but, man... Everybody was going off like, oh, my God, you know, if you're getting like laser tag vibes, I'm getting put like when I see it, I think of the putting edge, you know, like when you go in and your clothes just go all <laughs> fluorescent. I mean, it's different and I kind of <laughs> like it because what, what's the last time or it, has there even been a team that like added a highlighter color to their, you know, jerseys? Not not in the NHL, not in recent memory anyway. Because I think the only one that like from my recent memory is the Miami Heat with their Miami Vice colors with the baby blue and the hot pink, but it's not really like a highlighter kind of glow in the dark thing. But that's the closest thing that I could get, and I want to see those bright colors start to try and come back. And I don't know, I just like it. I love it. Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely one of those ones who set the laser tag. Um, that's not, okay, so I thought I, was, I thought that was you that said that. Yeah, I was waiting for the the announcement that they were going to put splatter paint on the uh, the walls of their dressing room as well, just to <laughs> add to the effect. But you know, I'm I'm waiting for the announcement that they're gonna they're gonna play uh, a, a glow in the dark game where they turn off all the lights and all you can see is the uh, the jersey uh, colors. <laughs> Good idea, bad idea. You're walking back from the stand with four <laughs> beers in a tray and you fall down and there goes like a hundred dollars. Yeah, of no kidding. The beer. Just yeah. because of a glow in the dark game, but uh, no, I you know I, I think it's it's an interesting touch. Um, it is. Not sure I would go out and buy one. Um, that being said, you know it's uh, it's 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 a good addition to to what they already have, and I think uh, I think Dallas fans are gonna be excited when these guys roll out. The lights are shining, and and uh, these guys step onto the ice with those jerseys. So I think it, it's it's good for Dallas. From a from a outside standpoint, I'm not the biggest fan. But that being said, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist in terms of maintaining those those specific jerseys, and um, you know it it'll be interesting. I I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, I think I'll get used to it. It's just going to take me a little bit of time. My eyes are still uh, are still coming Adjusting. back from the, the 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 bright light. So. I think that yeah, I'm a, I'm a traditional like I'm very traditional when it comes to the jerseys. Like you want it to be, like you want the colors to stand out. And obviously, this is completely different and it's throwing everybody off. I don't think that they would probably 
if they do play in it, okay, probably going to be very minimal uh, that they're going to wear those jerseys. But even if you just add it as like part of a collection, it's still something fun to have. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with you, and and that's that's kind of you know every time that a, a team releases a jersey, you get you get the haters and you get the people that love them. So yeah. I think it's it's a good move by them just to keep everyone entertained during the off season and uh, add some add some. Uh, bright lights to a dark time right now <laughs> um anyways <laughs> moving on from there um hall of fame we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show um obviously this year they they announced that there will be no class of 2021 mm-hmm. um they felt that uh the class of 2020 should get their rightful uh you know night of celebration where f- friends and family and all that can kind of get come in and get involved and and, and enjoy the evening and, and the uh the um, inductees can enjoy their their time uh, as as yeah. inductees to the Hall of Fame. So, um, f- from my standpoint, I think it's a it's a good move. Uh, I already think the the NHL or the Hockey Hall of Fame, I should say rather, I I think it's a saturated Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. I think far too many people are are let in every year. I think it should be more of a uh, tight class. Um, it should be more of an honor. Um, not that it isn't, but I think there's. It's very saturated. You've got a lot of people in there every every single year. And um, <clears throat> that being said, I think it's a great move for them in terms of making sure that they celebrate the players that they are inducting the right way. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good good uh, good move by them. Yeah, and also with the pandemic going on, they don't want to like they already like they already inducted the class or like said that Marion Hosa, Aginla, Lowe, and all of them they're going to be inducted in. To hold off one year just because of what's going on right now, it sh- it shouldn't be a major issue. I mean, it's it's something that you want, like when you have the ceremony, something where a lot of people could come together. And I don't think this is something where, I mean, you can do it online, but it's not going to have that same feel and same honor that, you know, they work so hard to get to that point and be um, a part of a great group of people where their uh, accomplishments are being recognized. So... It's tough to see, but at the same time, I can understand why they're holding it off. Yeah, no, and I think it's like, like I said, I, I think it's a good move. You know, when you look back and you say, "Oh, there's no class of 2021," it's going to be a small blip in in terms of what the Hall of Fame is. And yeah, uh, for me, I'd rather if you're going to celebrate players, celebrate them in the right way, and and, and they deserve their night, they deserve their their ceremony, their recognition, mm-hmm. their chance to make a speech. Yeah, they've already been inducted, but at this point in time, for them to get their plaques and and have their family on on hand for it, I think that's important. And I think to to not induct anybody in 2021, I think that's a perfect move by the the Hall of Fame um, yeah. in terms of just making sure that you do 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 it right for the guys that you are going to put in there. So for sure. I don't mind it. I, I think it's I think it's a good move. And, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm always excited to hear what these guys have to say about their playing days. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, some of these guys going in are OHL graduates. I want to talk to you about the OHL hitting. Um, man, I for, the CHL yeah. right now is just a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. The QMJHL, obviously, we've got red zones. We've got yellow zones. We've got we got a whole rainbow of zones uh, in terms of, you know, COVID outbreak in yeah. the QMJHL. Yeah. Here in the OHL, we're talking about possibly playing a 40-game season without any hitting. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm just going to interject for one quick second. Bob McKenzie had a really, really good thread this morning in regards to what Lisa McLeod said about hitting in the OHL. I suggest you read it because he nails every single point on the head. Um, but before I interrupt it, uh, I'll, I'll allow you to continue. I just wanted to get that point across because people need to read that thread. No, go for it. Like I, for me personally, I read, I read uh, what was being said and. A lot. There's a lot of people saying that she's just McLeod's on on a, on a bit of a power trip in terms of trying to take away that that I guess closeness in in a hockey game. I I mean I'm trying to figure it out. I get I get I understand the spreading of the virus. Yeah, the spreading of the virus, and and she's trying to do her job at the same time. I just. You're talking about playing a game where you've got 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old, you know, like you've got these young men and, and young women in the game as well where you've just got so much uh, – you're you're playing at a high, high level, a high it's pace. It's difficult to take something that's integral out of a sport where, you know, that's one of the main factors. It's a close contact sport. You're going to like hockey, hockey, football, basketball, even at times, they're all close contact sports. You can't obviously there's no hitting in basketball, but the physical play in football, the physical play in hockey, you take that out. What have you got? What if you what if you took away fouls in basketball? Yeah. What if you took away, um, you know, pitching in baseball? You just yeah. set it up on a tee and let these guys smoke it as far as they can. I, just, I mean, that'll be great for home run numbers, but yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I just you're taking away a piece that for years you've taught these kids how to hit. You've taught these mm-hmm. kids how to take a hit. You've taught these kids how play the body. Um, don't always play the puck. And now you're saying, hey, play the puck, and you guys can't touch each other. Yeah, and. I'm just going to read off some of the points that Bob mentioned on Twitter. I mean, if, I, I would still recommend uh, people going out and reading that thread, but can someone explain to me how body checking is inherently more threatening re-COVID than standard puck battles for the puck that are essential aspects and even so-called non-contact hockey? Um, in the Maritimes in the Q, uh, in the Maritimes and Quebec, there have been limited return to play for the QMJHO or in Western Canada where they aim the return to play like the OHL. Um, like it just seems like something like something doesn't make sense here. I mean, Quebec is j- just as bad as Ontario in terms of their numbers, and the QHL is going, and their numbers are still high. I mean, yes, they have had cases, but they managed to isolate the problem, go into quarantine, and every, I I hope everything is okay right now. I don't I haven't heard anything about any other um, cases that have come up. No, I think they've got a slow return to play following the the isolation. Yeah, because I know that some games were canceled, and that should be the case because we've seen that in Europe in the KHL where some games were canceled because a player or two on a team tested positive. And here's my thing. Does Lisa McLeod not realize that in the QMJHL they're still playing with contact? They're still hitting. They're still going into the corners. They're still doing face-offs. They're still... 15, 16, 17 players on a bench, you know, 
drinking Gatorade, spitting water onto the ice and all that, you know, close contact, there's more of a chance that you're probably going to get COVID on the bench than on the ice. I mean, that from what I've seen on Twitter, that seems to be the consensus of what people are complaining about. Well, I but, mean, when, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, no, no I'll, I'll let you go. I was just going to say, when you're lining up for a faceoff, you're standing right next to a guy from another team. Mm-hmm. You're standing next to the referee. So are we not going to have refs on the ice? Because they're going to be around the players. Yeah. You're still going to be calling penalties. You're still going to be skating over. You're going to have guys in the penalty box next to guys that are sitting there keeping the the time and, and the scorekeepers. Yeah. There, there, there's no way of getting around this. And at, at, at what point... Like it pains me to say it, but I would rather not have a season at all than than have a season where you're taking away hidden. That's the thing, and that's where I'm getting confused with the comments that Lisa McLeod made in regards to like saying, "Oh, we use Quebec as a model." They're still playing. I mean, we're all for safety. We all want the players to be safe. But just remember. A few, epi- a few episodes back when we were talking about when junior hockey was possibly returning to the NHL. We talked about if they have a bubble system or, you know, strategies in place, they'll be fine. If teams enforce rules and create a bubble where it's only the only contact or their only bubble is the team and possibly their family and billets because they go home to them every single day, test in advance for each game, wear masks and socially distance outside of the rink, similar to what the NHL did, don't you think that they could have a success outside of the rink when they go and play and, you know, play the way it's supposed to be played inside the rink? The NHL proved that it worked. So I don't, and they were hitting nonstop in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, like I said, I, I just don't, I think it's, to me, it's, it's, her making a power trip and I just I don't yeah. agree with it. I think put on full buckets. If if that's the case, put on full buckets and, get the and fish re- bowls out. Get the fishbowls out. You've reduced the fighting like you've wanted to for years. Yeah. And and you can still play the game at, at the level that it's supposed to be played at. There is no way anybody who's been out there and played hockey before, there's no way you're playing a game at that high a level and a high a pace. Mm-hmm. And don't get into the point to, or get to the point where you, you want to be physical with another player. Yeah. It's yeah, just no, I, way, the intensity is just way too high for you to go in and have puck battles and not want to, you know, throw a body check when you see somebody cutting across the ice or, or, you know, hit somebody in front of the net because, you know, they're inside your goaltender's crease. There's yeah. just, there is absolutely no way this happens. And, it, I, it blows my mind that she would even suggest having a, a, a season like this. I'm just going to throw this out there as well. I mean, we don't, I mean, we, but if the Ford government took the second wave seriously and didn't brush off three, 400 cases at the, in the middle of September when the second wave was happening, we wouldn't be having this discussion at all. If he would have nipped it right then and there, said that, hey, we're seeing an increase in cases. Let's start to cut back on some things. We would again. We wouldn't be having this conversation. We could We're still go this- to a. We could still go to a restaurant right now. Sit down and have a bite to eat with our masks off. And yeah. you can't. You can't play hockey on ice where you're going to come in contact with a guy for all of 15 seconds. And that's where it doesn't make any sense. He he kept bars and clubs open the longest before he started to shut them down. And now hockey 
with hitting. Listen, again, we're all for safety, but it's this whole entire thing just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think I think at this point, somebody needs to look back at her job and under, and see if maybe analyze if she's doing her job properly, because every suggestion that's been made is just it, it boggles my mind. I will say this. Darren Drager reported that it's still, you know, there's still time that a decision hasn't been made because there's still three months out. But I'm I'm just saying it's it it doesn't make sense. No, it like doesn't I, make sense. There's still some hope where everything like even I, I even believe I saw David Branch saying that, you know, it isn't out, like they're going to they're not making a split decision right now. They haven't ruled out body checking. But. Like what's going to happen in the juniors? Like the OHL players that are going to camp. They can't hit. They go in, they're going to be at a disadvantage because all the other players have been, you know, getting that contact. All the players overseas have been getting that contact. You're going to see injuries. You're going to see injuries. 110% you're going to see injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, I I don't know. I don't, I don't get it personally, but, um, you know, like, like you said, there's, there's still time to make a decision. I just think if you're going to, if you're going to go that, that route and, and no contact, I would much rather that, uh, you know, um, I would much rather not see a league at all. It, and again, I'm going to reiterate this because this is what the NHL did. If the teams take the appropriate measures, follow the masks, social distancing, create their own little bubble, you can reduce the risk of what's happening outside of the ring. Because that's what happened in Quebec. There, it was it, Something happened outside of the ring before they got in. If they avoid that, you're in a good spot. You don't have to worry about contact. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent, and um, you know, l- like let's hope, let's hope that we we, you know, see a regular OHL come back, uh, you know, in the new year, and and hopefully we can, uh, you know, be talking about uh, some good OHL hockey when that when that time ro- rolls around. Otherwise, you know, like I said, this uh, I won't I won't be a happy customer. Let's put it that way. I don't, I don't think many, and especially the scouts that are going to be following this 2021 draft with a lot of great OHL talent. I don't think many of us are going to be really happy about that. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's already showing. It's already showing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the World Juniors. Obviously, uh, you know, Canada named its uh, preliminary roster for the, uh, the, the upcoming tournament. They're going to be inside an Edmonton bubble, so they should be able to hit no problem. Um, but that, sorry, you know, I get, I get, I get pretty passionate about these things. I get worked up, um, just, uh, subtly sliding that in there. I see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, obviously big, big takeaways from this, uh, this roster being named, um, Chicago Blackhawks are willing to give up Kirby doc for Canada, uh, to, to, to add a little bit more, uh, veteran presence on the team. Um, the Rangers have not yet given permission to Alexei or Alexis uh, Lafreniere to, to to make that uh, make that run with with Canada for a repeat, but um, that's still up in the air as well. Um, obviously, some some names that are kind of interesting to 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 be there are Caden Gooley from Montreal, uh, Ridley Gregg from Ottawa, Dylan Holloway, Edmonton, uh, Jacob Peltier, and Connor Zari from Calgary, and Cole Perfetti from Winnipeg all going to get a chance to, to make team Canada. Um, and it should be, it should be a good, uh, good competition. Like we've, we've talked about, it's going to be, 
it's going to be a high talented uh, tournament. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to uh, to to see who makes the team and and how how far they can go. I'm just going to list off some of the returnees because there's Quinton Byfield, Bowen Byram, Dylan Cousins, Jamie Drysdale, Connor McMichael, and Dawson Mercer. Obviously, you're not Alexi Lafreniere. They're going to reevaluate that in the future, but you've got six names from last year's winning team. Two on the back end who were one was a really reliable defender and one who emerged when he was called upon in Drysdale, who was a seventh defenseman. But man, looking at the names of this roster, you can possibly build two gold, two gold medal teams. Like the talent is unbelievable. The depth that they have is strong. And I, this year, like, I think they're going to go with, you know, a lot of experience, both, at the Road Juniors, playing internationally with Canada, U18s, um, Ivan uh, Helenka Gretzky tournament. But man, I'm I'm excited. Like I I came out with my uh, projection of a roster, and I have I, I I honestly think I don't think not necessarily. I'm I'm pretty sure you can beat it. But McMichael, Doc Cousins as your first line, Perfetti, Byfield, Jarvis. Poulin, Krebs, Newhook, Holloway, Lapierre, Mercer. And I'm throwing in Shane Wright as someone who could probably make this team. I was going to say, neither one of us had mentioned Shane Wright yet. And we just did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I also added in Nick Suzuki because I think, you know, again, he's represented Canada before. But man, to have someone like Shane Wright on this team. Andre Turini said that, you know, he's someone that you know he's an incredible talent and we saw that this year with the kings of frontenacs we saw him tear it up with brand clark and brendan othman in the gthl this guy is a legitimate threat and honestly he's going to be the number one pick in 2020 2022 sorry i think it would if he's played this well against 16 year olds or 16 to 19, 20-year-olds, he's ready for the World Juniors. He's played against this competition. He can dominate. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's a great addition. I think I, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the team, and the only reason he wouldn't is maybe if they they consider they you know this is the last opportunity for some of the veteran guys. But mm -hmm. that being said, I mean, you're not looking to, to make kids feel better. You're looking to, to put a winning product on the ice. So... Uh, me personally, I'd like to see Shane right there. I think he's got the ability to play uh, play against these guys and put on a show for for everyone. So I, I'd like to see him there. But um, yeah, I mean, you you kind of touched on it all. Obviously, there's um, there's five 2021 draft eligible prospects on the roster on the roster as well, including uh, Owen Power, um, Xavier Simino, uh, Brett B uh, Brochu, who had a great rookie season with the London Knights, mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Gauthier, and Tristan Lennox. So, you know, some some talent there. And then the only 2022 draft eligible prospect is Shane Wright. So that's, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, but, uh, yeah, you mentioned it. I think, you know, you could build two strong, strong teams out of the, out of this roster, and you wouldn't be disappointed with either one. I'm just looking at the defense now. How how dominant of a pairing would Bowen Byram and Jamie Drysdale be? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm You're talking just, about no, number one and two right there. 
I'm really excited because I have them as a pairing. I have Matthew Robertson and Braden Schneider as a second, possibly Ryan O'Rourke and Kanan Corsak as a third. And then I put Owen Power in. I mean, you saw like a couple draft eligible, uh, draft eligible players last year. Having someone like Owen Power and someone like Shane Wright, two unbelievable talents. It's just something that you can't like. If, they're, if they are going for a taxi squad, I would take Owen Power because, I mean, he's still got a great stride. He's got good size, mobility, and he's got a hell of a shot. And even Justin Barron, I have him as like kind of like as a backup, considering, you know, he could still be a reliable player and he's played with them before with Team Canada. I mean, again, I'm looking at players that could be left off. Lucas Cormier, Thomas Harley, um, Mason Millman. Donovan Sabrango, Jordan Spence, all of them have all of them have a chance to, you know, be selected. It's just, again, the depth on the back end is just too strong. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And, um, you know, obviously, like I said, it's going to be a highly talented tournament, I think, on all sides. Um, you know, it's very exciting. Keep an eye on these rosters because they're all coming out, obviously, you know, um, we're going to see preliminary rosters for each, to each, uh, country, but, yeah. uh, it's going to be a great uh, tournament to watch. And, um, you know, a lot of good news at this point in terms of, in terms of what we've talked about for the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes, but we have a little bit of uh, darker news to kind of close out our hockey news before we get into Toronto, um, and the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly touch on Mitchell Miller. And the debacle that seems to be happening in the hockey world right now, in terms of what he uh, he has been accused of, and 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 what he's he's done in his past that has kind of, you know, dried up his hockey dream. In 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 one sense, you know, obviously you want to see people get second chances, but at the same time, I think uh, he went down a, a path that really, um, you know, there's no coming back from. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did was inexcusable and disgusting. I mean, yeah. there's no other way to say it. Yeah. I mean, made racist remarks, abusive towards uh, Isaiah Meyer Crother, My- Crother, sorry. And it's, I, oh man, I'm trying to put this in a way where it's not like, you know, the anger is coming out, but it, you can't help it. This is just, how can this happen? I mean, yeah. the, the Coyotes knew about his past and they selected him anyways. He apologized to 31 teams. Yet the person that still matters the most that you didn't apologize to has not received an apology at all. Like, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm reading this article right now about uh, about the situation from Ken Campbell at the Hockey News. And... He, the headline is that led by the Coyotes, UND and USA Hockey, the hockey world failed Mitch Miller. And I'm I'm having a hard time with that that as a headline. Uh, um, you're you're putting the blame right in in that alone. You're putting the blame in in the hockey in hockey the hockey world. Mm-hmm. The Coyotes failed them. How did the Coyotes fail them? Because they selected him and then de- decided to to denounce their selection, um, how did UND fail? Him? How how did USA Hockey fail him? Yeah. What failed him was was 
a parenting himself. system himself and a parenting system that yeah. didn't teach him right from wrong mm-hmm. and didn't teach him that you know accept everybody not not just you know do what you feel is you want to do and then and then you know pay pay with apologies later that's not the way that the life works no and i have a hard time you know obviously you and i have talked about it on the podcast i'm obviously a new father and you know i i think a lot about like you know as my son grows up and and teaching him you know lessons and right from wrong and i just i have a hard time believing that we can put any of this on the hockey world no None of it's um, on the hockey world. It, it what he did makes absolutely no sense. You're talking about, um, you know, a developmentally, you know, a kid who had developmental issues. Yeah. Um, and because of what he may have looked like, or may have, or the way he may have acted, you know, you've got a kid out here bullying him, calling him names, calling him racial racial slurs. Um. Yeah physically abusing him that, that this isn't on anybody in the hockey world this is on mitch miller and and, and his inability to sh- to to know right from wrong and then on top of that not showing the remorse yeah you can write you could write 103 letters to yeah. teams all across the world and it's not going to make a difference because in the end what did you say to isaiah Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And how long was that going on? Far too long. Yeah. There's a it, difference between doing it once and making a mistake and realizing your mistake. And even yeah. then, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. But now you've done it for so long, like it, it just to me that's that's more sociopathic than anything. This was an ongoing issue and I read his mother's response and it was emotional and it shed even more light on the situation that it was worse as it, as the years went on. And it, like, like you said, if he, like, again, if he does apologize, even if like he's apologizing to everybody, is he doing this just to get it over with? Or is he actually truly sorry for what happened? That's the thing. You could say it, but not mean it. Like, we have to see that he actually means it. And even then, that, like you said, that is a difficult path to come back from. I don't, I, I mean, I don't think there is any coming. Like, we, 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 there's a lot of people talking about second chances, not giving the kid a second chance. Look, he's got a second chance at, at becoming a better person. But in terms of mm-hmm. following your dream and playing hockey, there's no second chance. Yeah. You screwed that up. Because you that's the it, attitude and the culture that, you know, hockey's being labeled as, that needs to change. That, I like, again, it's going to be a long road to come back from that if yeah. he wants to redeem himself. And because he constantly tormented and abused an, an, an innocent human being for that, it's it's difficult. It really is difficult. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give this too much more time because, I mean, in all honesty, I think right now Mitch Miller makes me sick. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just, you know, to, to Isaiah, I, obviously he's never going to listen to this. But if he, if he were to ever hear it, you know, stand tall, kid, because, uh, yeah. you know, you deserve better. We have your back. The hockey community has your back. We support you 100%, man. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, you know, like I said, let's, I want to get off this topic. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling that aggression come back. Yeah. Um, but, like uh, yeah. Um, more sad news, obviously from the yeah. hockey world, Joey Moss and Travis Roy, both passing away, uh, this week. Um, obviously Joey Moss being a, a major contributor to the Edmonton Oilers and the Edmonton community. Um, you've seen guys like Messier, Gretzky, Eberly Hall, all all the generations game. of Edmonton Oilers um, commenting on the importance of Joey Moss and what he meant to that that club and that community and and advocating for, you know, um, all sorts of uh, all sorts of um, organizations and, and stuff around the, around the community. So you know, to him and his family, you know, we wish your family the best and and uh, we hope you're up there, uh, you know, and rest in peace. Yeah, I mean. Even if you haven't met him, reading the stories about someone who always had a smile on his face, he brightened everyone's day as soon as he walked into the room. I mean, Wayne said he wasn't just the spirit of the Oilers, but for the community of Edmonton. Andrew Ferentz called him a legend of legends in the city. I mean, he even had a great article come out about uh, Joey Moss and his love for music and dancing, and he always lit up the room. Yeah. That, again, that's the again. Those are the kind of people, that's the positivity that this world needs right now. We just lost someone who who is just full of that. And to his family, you know, our deepest condolences, he was, we like, we lost a really good person in the hockey community. Yeah, no, I agree. And, um, you know, kind of going off of that, obviously, Travis Roy uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, had a, uh, a terrible accident uh, in his first collegiate game. Um that paralyzed him um you know another another guy that brought a lot of uh, awareness to to safety and and the community and uh you know the the bu community the boston university um you know obviously he passed away as well and uh you know we send our condolences to to his friends and family as well yeah. and, and the community that he he touched in so many ways as well yeah and he was uh, advocating a lot for spinal cord research and not just, I mean, he was like a real, real, you know, uh, proponent in getting all that started. But there are a lot of other uh, people who, you know, who went through a, a similar injury like him in, in regards to sports. And Travis did everything he can to, you know, bring them together, you know, and be a positive, um, be a positive influence for them who were who had who had a similar situation like him he was a role model for them and he said that you know what he he became a real mentor and a real role model for them and that you know this isn't kind of the end there's still more to look forward to and yeah again it's just it's just so sad right now it's especially the last couple of days with joey and travis right now it's it's it, it's it's difficult i mean you don't want to see this at all yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Um, that being said, let's uh, let's move from these these dark moments in in the hockey world this week to uh, some Toronto Maple Leafs talk. Um, that's why you guys are here. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't really care because we're going to talk about all the hockey that we can. Um, yeah, it's our show. Obviously, we do care that you're here, but uh, absolutely. <laughs> moving on from that, uh, the Leafs signed two more players this week. Uh, brought back Michael Hutchinson on a two-year, $1.45 million contract. Um, he'll see just over 
700,000 a year. Uh, and then obviously RFA Joey Anderson, uh, who who they received for Andreas Janssen, signed a three-year, $2.25 million contract. Mm-hmm. Um, both solid signings. Uh, I'm excited. Obviously, Hutchinson meets, meets the the quota in terms of what they need for for the Seattle uh, re- or expansion. So that's a that's a good addition in, in terms of uh, what they what they're doing there, and of course they have to send Aaron Dell through waivers if they want to move him down to the minors. So a little bit of a safety net there in Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. On top of that, Anderson, um, I'm excited to see what Anderson's going to do, what he's going to bring to the club, um, whether it's at the NHL level level or the HL level. I think it's a great addition. Still a young kid with a with that kind of grinder mentality and uh, you know, I, he, he, he believes in himself. And I think that's the biggest thing is I want to see what he can do um, at, at, at a level where, you know, he's given the chance to, to succeed. Yeah. And I'm just going to start off with Joey Anderson first. Um, it's unusual to see a contract where the first two years are two way and then the final year is a full-on, you know, one-way contract. I mean, I, I could be wrong. There could probably be other contracts like that. But knowing what the Toronto Maple Leafs have done, this seems like a Toronto Maple Leaf move, move because of the fact that in the next few years, roster spots, roster spots sorry, are going to be very competitive. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen because Wayne Simmons signed up for one year. Thornton Spets has signed up for one year. It seems like Joey Anderson is on the outside looking in, and it may look like that he's possibly going to start off in the AHL first. But that's not to say that he can't earn his way back into the NHL. He definitely can. The final year, it gives him that opportunity to be like, okay, this is it. This is what I have to do. This could be my chance to crack the NHL roster. And he's still young. He's still 22. He's still developing didn't quite get the opportunity maybe that he wanted consistently with New Jersey, but in the upcoming years, I think he can be a really, you know, kind of a pass. He he is difficult to play against. And when I watched him with Team USA in the juniors, man, I I hated every single time he went up against someone because he was so aggressive, but he did everything right. He's the player that you love to hate when you play against them. But when he's on your team, sorry, he's a player that you'd love to hate or that you want to hate when you play against him. But he's a player that you love to have on your team. Sorry, I can't, I can't even get that phrase down. <laughs> um, I'm glad we got him because he he's that little like like uh, little boost of energy that this team needs. And he's the exact uh, description of what they want in a depth player. Speed, skill, always aggressive on the uh, puck carrier always battling for the puck. That's something that we need. In, in regards to Michael Hutchison, yeah, it was kind of a shock. I didn't expect that to happen, but let's face it. If anything happens to, you know, I mean, like, if they're going three goalies, like a taxi squad kind of thing, it's going to be Campbell, Anderson, Dell. If anything happens to Campbell, Dell's going to go in. You got to bring somebody up. Joseph Wall and Ian Scott kind of still are not ready to be thrusted into that position where they got to go play in the game. I don't know how well they're going to handle it, but you have an NHL experience goalie like Michael Hutchison. You want to have that depth. And that's basically what teams are doing right now. 
cheap contracts, depth player, depth players, try to combine that, especially in a year where it, it, you don't know what's going to happen. Someone could have an injury. Someone could be tested positive for COVID-19. We don't know. Depends if they're going to do another bubble or not. It's something. It's, it's still something to consider. Have as many bodies as you can. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, it's another great opportunity for Hutchinson, who, you know, still remains uh, with a, with an NHL contract. And in the end, you know, if you're a goalie like him, where you're kind of that second or third option in most most cities, I think, you know, just to, to be able to grab an NHL contract is what exactly what you want to do at this point in time. Uh, keeps you in the show. Um, as for Anderson, like you said, you know, it's a, it's an interesting contract uh, in terms of being there for the third year. Uh, but that being said, like, who knows where the Leafs are going to be in, in two years' time. And it could be a great opportunity for him to be a third, fourth liner uh, and, and then not have to sign another another short-term contract. So uh, I think it, it proves to have an, uh, you know, it, it proves that he's going to have an opportunity at this mm-hmm. point in time. I do think he's on the outside looking in. That being said, he's got an opportunity to play himself into a, into a role if you know, say the Leafs suffer an injury or, or something along those lines in this in this condensed schedule that we are expecting to see. I just recently came out with a players fighting for a spot. I didn't even include Anderson or even Travis Boyd for that matter because I think that there's still you know players that I think could potentially be sent down that they could probably end up starting their season with the Marlies. Again, it's not to say that they don't deserve a call-up. If they do deserve it, they're going to be on their way up. But just with the the depth that we have right now and the limited spots that are available, there might be better names that could overtake them at this point. And to try and leave them out, it was really difficult because out of all the players that I listed, those two have a better shot at making the A or like just being use that on part of the AHL team, the Marlies, as opposed to possibly getting their opportunity with the big club right now. Yeah, but I think, I, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think even Pierre Engvall could be a guy that we see, you know, bounce down to the AHL at some point yeah. just because, I mean, the roster availability right now is not uh, is not there for the Maple Leafs. I believe he uh, is waiver exempt, so you won't have to worry about that at all. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Again, obviously, you know, we're, we're biting our nails trying to get this uh, season going. And, <laughs> um, you know, it'll be something that uh, we continually talk about as we get closer and closer to puck drop for the 2020-2021 season. Um, that said, uh, you know, again, two two solid depth additions. Obviously, Hutchinson had some some uh, experience with the the Avs last uh, in the playoffs here. And, um, you know, I think it, it'll prove well for him in terms of trying to be that uh, backup to the backup. The running joke constantly was, oh, great, Michael Michael Hutchinson's going to win them the Stanley Cup, the Colorado Avalanche, aren't they? Yeah. And that, and the games that he stole, like, was just unbelievable. They're just – and it just seems like a curse with the Leafs. Like, you have a player come in – and again, I know it's Toronto. I know there's a lot of, like, pressure to succeed. But it just seems like players who played here always go on to, like, have a positive impact elsewhere. And I'm glad Hutchinson did that with Colorado worked i mean they just fell short but they could have gone far and hutchison could have been that glue to keep that kept them together until their goalie situation was like at 100 percent. and i don't know i just found it re- really funny and now he's back because you know what at times yeah michael hutchison didn't play that great but also look at the defense in front of him like 
the defense was bad. And yeah. any goalie, even Anderson struggled at times where, you know, when I, 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 can't, I can't even think of it like a perfect example because there's just too many to pick. But there are times where, you know, the Leafs get caught. Tyson Berry can't read a two-on-one. Cody Ceci is doing Cody Ceci things. Like, it's it was just so difficult. But now that we have a defense in front of them, if Hutchison gets that opportunity, he could feel more safe that, you know, there is a TJ Brody now. There is a Zach Bogosian. There's even a Miko Lettinen right now who can, you know, fly around the ice but also be really good at pressuring at his own end. So you have a defense right now where if a goalie's being being inserted, whether it is Dell, uh, Anderson Campbell, you name it, it's going it, to, the defense is going to do a better job than what they did last year to help mitigate and release some of that pressure from their goalies. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, it'll be, like I said, it'll be an interesting year and, and, uh, you know, a lot more options for the Leafs in terms of going into this camp and, and seeing what you have, at, you know, to, to fill in spots. But, I think we're starting to see a lot of uh, which players are going to make it and which players aren't. So, yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Peter, another another good episode. Uh, anything else you wanted to add uh, as we close out week thirteen of the the Sticks in the Six podcast? Um, thank God we didn't have any like you know spooky things happen on the podcast because it is you know October thirty first with our thirteenth episode. So you know, glad that they went through without a hitch. Um, I mean, I like, I'm just glad that we still get to keep doing this every single week, talking about hockey, providing the best or like our best takes as uh, possible with analysis and everything like that. Um, to everybody who's been tuning into this point, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate the support and we hope you guys uh, continue to listen on as you know, we try to still grow as ourselves and still try to like get you i mean we're 13 episodes in we're still i'm still fairly new to the podcast game so we're doing the best that we can and we're learning each episode but we still thank you for the support no matter what yeah i just wanted to say uh obviously you know i gotta give a shout out to my wife um you know when i sit down here and talk to you for an hour and a half two hours sometimes um Mm -hmm. you know she's upstairs taking care of a five-month-old uh a boy who just wants to keep moving and moving and moving so um (laughs) You know, shout out to her and uh, obviously, you know, like like Peter said, you know, to everyone out there who listens, who tunes in, who subscribes, who has rated us on Apple Music, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we appreciate every little bit, uh, every review, every every rating, every subscription, every download uh, goes towards, uh, you know, benefiting us and benefiting you uh, as listeners because we can put a better product out there. We can get some great guests on. Um, and you know, we appreciate every little bit that you guys do for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, episode 13, um, you know, in the books and, uh, we look forward to coming back at you guys next week for episode 14. Have a great one. Yeah. Stay safe, everyone.